President Biden is already getting to work and taking actions quickly. The articles of impeachment against former President Donald J. Trump have been delivered by the House of Representatives to the Senate, and COVID-19 is still a threat. I'm Joe Moronsky, and you're listening to The Political Informant, your place for fact-first politics. Fifteen executive orders on his first day in office and over 30 executive orders in his first three days. Forty presidential actions in just seven days. And we are seeing Joe Biden getting to work and using his authority as much as he can. Now, before we get started, I do want to note memorandums and proclamations are similar, but not technically executive orders, although media networks often count them as such. So let's talk a little bit about the history of executive orders. Now, they were not deemed to be counted until 1907, and then the counting was formalized in 1936 through the Federal Register Act. But orders are still found to this day that are left uncounted. Technically, the first numbered order was by Abraham Lincoln. But, like I said, there were plenty of orders before him. Now, some presidents don't like executive orders, whereas others use them daily. Franklin Delano Roosevelt issued 3,721 executive orders, averaging 307 orders a year. George Washington, of course the first president, issued eight, and it's important to note that because as we move on through history, we do see an up and down path. But that up and down path is steadily going up. You know, the lows of presidents are in the 200s, whereas technically George Washington's eight executive orders would have been high for the time that he did it. And nowadays we see 300, 400 executive orders by one president. Uh, John Adams, the second president, James Madison, the fourth president, and James Monroe, the fifth president, all only issued one executive order in their term. Now, William Henry Harrison, who was the ninth president, uh, technically issued no executive orders, but that is because he only served for 31 days. He actually died 31 days into his presidency. He served from March 4th, 1841 to April 4th, 1841. Uh, Of course, his death sparked a constitutional crisis about the line of succession, but he didn't issue any executive orders. Let's go through some recent presidents. So Jimmy Carter issued 320 executive orders. Ronald Reagan issued 381. George H.W. Bush issued 166. Bill Clinton issued 364. George W. Bush issued 291. Barack Obama issued 276. And Donald Trump issued 220 executive orders. Now, these are used for things from federal workplace policies all the way to things such as the 2017 travel ban. Now, if we go back in history and look at how many executive orders were issued, before World War II, the average was 59 executive orders a year from president. Post-World War II, presidents averaged 314 orders a year. Obviously, now that has gone down, seeing uh, Barack Obama, 276 throughout his whole term, Donald Trump, 220 throughout his whole term. But right after World War II, executive orders were a huge thing. Uh, Obviously, as I said before, FDR issued over 3,000. So presidents use them, some don't. Um, But why don't they use them more often? Well, they're actually not that easy to issue. 
They have to be written in very specific ways, and of course they're open to court challenges if they're not written exactly right. This is exactly why we saw Trump's 2017 travel ban in court constantly and rewritten numerous times. Uh, And the other reason is that they can actually make Congress pretty angry. Executive orders is basically a way of going around Congress, and congressional members are not the most fond when their job gets taken from them by the president. Um, So, you know, presidents who use a lot of executive orders statistically don't get much done in Congress. Uh, Now, of course, when I say use executive orders, we're talking about those high numbers, 200, 300 that have been issued in recent years really isn't that high. When you consider that post-World War II, 300 was a year. Many of President Biden's orders have been revocations of former President Trump's orders, but this isn't entirely uncommon, actually. Uh, Ronald Reagan revoked 29 of his predecessor's orders in his first year in office. Uh, George H.W. Bush revoked 11 of Reagan's orders in his first year. Clinton revoked 21 of H.W. Bush's orders in his first year. George W. Bush revoked 25 of Clinton's, Obama revoked 10 of George W. Bush's, Trump revoked 15 of Obama's orders. Um, So it's not entirely uncommon for a new president to revoke their predecessor's orders, Um, just not as fast as Joe Biden has. Uh, He's using a lot of his orders to put in place COVID policies uh, as well, though. Examples include federal property mask mandates, student loan pauses, and eviction moratoriums, but we'll get into that a little bit later on. Now, people on the right are criticizing Biden for using this many executive orders so quickly, uh, but some of Biden's supporters on the left are saying, you know, we don't have time in a pandemic to wait for something to go through Congress. He needs to do this. Um, But, you know, it's that weird weird sort of situation when, you know, yeah, he's using some executive orders to set in place COVID policies, but he's also focusing on revoking some of Trump's policies when he said we were looking ahead to the future. Um, So you have that kind of back and forth on both sides, but we will definitely see more executive orders come out of this Biden administration. The impeachment articles against former President Donald J. Trump have been delivered to the Senate by the House of Representatives appointed impeachment managers. Now, this triggers the fourth ever impeachment trial of a president. Let's go back again in history. So, Andrew Johnson was the first president to have an impeachment trial. Uh, This was triggered by the Civil War and the death of Abraham Lincoln. Of course, uh, once Abraham Lincoln died, Andrew Johnson became president because he was his vice president. Um, and, and the articles of impeachment alleged that he violated the Tenure of Office Act and abused his powers, but he held on to his presidency by literally one vote. A single vote kept his presidency. Next up would be Bill Clinton, uh, in which Congress alleged that he perjured himself when he lied to investigators about his relationship with Monica Lewinsky and obstructed justice by telling White House staffers to deny the relationship. Obviously, Bill Clinton was not removed from office, um, and reason being, many senators believed he'd not committed crimes that rose to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors, which is the standard of proof in an impeachment trial. And then, of course, Donald Trump had his first impeachment trial um, not too long ago. He was charged with obstruction of Congress and abuse of power, 
And it was a very partisan vote uh, on on the obstruction of a Congress charge. It was 53 to 47 right along party lines. Uh, and in the abuse of power line, Senator Mitt Romney voted with Democrats. So it was a 52 to 48 vote. This time, he's charged with incitement of insurrection, and House Democrats and a few Republicans who voted um, to go through with impeachment cited the January 2nd phone call with the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. Now, this is the infamous phone call now, uh, which was first released by the Washington Post, in which you can hear President Trump saying that he needs to find votes uh, and that, you know, it's a crime for the Secretary of State to hide these votes. Of course, the Secretary of State has claimed he has no clue about any hidden votes. If he did, he would obviously bring them forward. And yeah, he's a Republican. He wasn't happy with the results of the election, but his job is to hold a fair and free election. Democrats and Republicans are still debating the format of the trial, so we won't know much about how it'll go down for a little bit longer. But we do know that the Chief Justice John G. Roberts will actually not preside because the Constitution states the Chief Justice only presides when it's a sitting president. So Democrats and the Senator saying, hey, he's not a sitting president. He's a former president. Of course, that brings up the argument, well, why are we having an impeachment trial for a former president? Um, Which is something that Rand Paul brought up today. Uh, This trial itself is set to take place the week of February 8th. But things have already gotten underway. A lot of the formalities, senators were sworn in. And as I mentioned, Senator Rand Paul forced a vote through a point of order. He questioned the constitutionality of convicting a former president. So the vote after debate uh, was actually a 55 to 45 vote, which means five Republicans voted to continue with the trial saying it is constitutional. Those would be Mitt Romney, Ben Sass, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and Pat Toomey. Rand Paul also claimed that John Roberts should preside, not President Pro Tem Patrick Leahy, but again, Democrats are saying he's not a sitting president, so we don't need John G. Roberts to preside. The managers appointed by the House say they're prepared to use social media footage and posts as their main evidence in the trial. Uh, They're actually very weary of using witnesses because of the executive privilege claims they faced in his first trial. But things are definitely going to heat up before things get any easier. Uh, In an impeachment trial, you need a two-thirds vote, which means that a simple majority that the Democrats have isn't going to cut it in this case. They need 67 votes to convict President Trump. And with only five senators siding with Democrats on this most recent vote after uh, Senator Paul's point of order, it does not look too good for the Democrats on Capitol Hill. On January 6th, an armed mob of Trump supporters, QAnon conspiracy theorists, and conservative extremists stormed the Capitol. So this is obviously the center of Trump's impeachment trial, but of course, there are citizens who are being tried for what they did. So to date, the Department of Justice has charged more than 150 people and identified hundreds of others as suspects. The acting U.S. attorney for Washington, D.C., Michael Sherwin, said that they've opened over 400 subject case files, but in some of these cases, they're still trying to identify the suspect. 
Interestingly enough, they're mainly working off of public tips and tips from family and friends of these suspects. So people are seeing these pictures online and calling and saying, hey, that's my brother, that's my best friend, um, which is certainly something that you won't see too often. Uh, let's talk specifically, though, about Jake Angeli. So he is also known as the Q Shaman, and he was seen in the horns and shirtless uh, in a lot of those pictures from the insurrection. He's 33 years old and from Arizona. So his stay in jail has already been something else. You know, he started a hunger strike because the jail wouldn't give him organic food. He got the organic food finally. It was a huge thing. But that's not even the weirdest part. He was transferred to Washington, D.C. on January 19th and is in custody of the U.S. Marshals Service. His lawyer tried to get him released with a GPS monitor on January 15th, but the judge denied it and said he will be held without bond. He's charged with two felonies and four misdemeanors, which are civil disorder, obstruction of an official proceeding, entering and remaining in a restricted building, disorderly and disruptive conduct in a restricted building, violent entry and disorderly conduct in a Capitol building, and parroting, demonstrating, or picketing in a Capitol building. But weird enough, his lawyer is blaming former President Trump. Uh, in a recent statement, Albert Watkins, the lawyer for Angeli, said, quote, he regrets very, very much having not just been duped by the president, but by being in a position where he allowed that duping to put him in a position to make decisions that he should not have made. So that's like a very weird uh, defense strategy. Never heard of that one before. Um, but it will be very interesting to see if this plays out, if it's an effective defense strategy, and of course, if it plays any role in the impeachment proceedings of former President Trump. The coronavirus is still a threat, but finally the United States is seeing a few days in a row without hitting new records. According to the World Health Organization, to date the United States has 24,916,899 confirmed cases with 416,004 deaths. January as a whole, though, is the most deaths in a single month to date for the United States, with 77,698 deaths. But let's talk a little bit about the vaccines. So late Tuesday night, we found out that AstraZeneca will be speaking on Wednesday, January 27th, at a meeting with the CDC regarding the emergency use approval for its vaccine, which is a huge step in the right direction, but it's also very interesting because AstraZeneca is the only vaccine so far that's gotten this far uh, that doesn't use the same technology as the Pfizer or Moderna vaccines, which would of course be with the mRNA. President Biden announced the purchase of 200 million more doses of the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines and says we'll have enough vaccines for every single American by this summer. To date, the CDC says 44,394,075 doses have been distributed, with 23,540,994 being administered so far. Restrictions, though, are definitely loosening. California lifted its stay-at-home order. The Ohio governor said he wants every kid back in school by March 1st at the latest, and this is getting some pushback. 
Some people on the right are saying it's because Biden's president and they want to make him look good. Well, people on the left say, yes, it is because Biden is president, but not for the looks. It's because he actually takes the virus seriously. Dr. Fauci is back in the briefing room and White House doctors who worked with Vice President Pence on the task force uh, set in place by President Trump are speaking out and actually saying they were dismissed and ignored, but nothing has really come of this yet. Global cases topped 100 million on January 26th, according to Job and Hopkins University, and global deaths are at 2,149,818. Joe Biden invoked the Defense Production Act, which will help to speed up vaccine production and increase supply. Now, President Biden also has signed a lot of executive orders relating to COVID. Those are as follows requiring a mask on federal property, creating the position of a COVID-19 response coordinator to oversee the government-wide response, paused federal student loan payments, mandated masks on public transportation, including airplanes and buses, facilitating data sharing to allow for a, quote, data-driven response, establishing the COVID-19 Health Equity Task Force, supporting the reopening of schools, supporting workplace safety, establishing a COVID-19 pandemic testing board, guaranteeing unemployment insurance for people who refuse to work due to COVID-19, establishing teams to help distribute federal aid money, directing the Treasury Department to take, quote, a series of actions to expand and improve delivery of stimulus checks, directing all government departments and agencies to, quote, promptly identify actions they can take within existing authorities to address the current economic crisis resulting from the pandemic, and reinstating COVID-19 travel restrictions from Brazil, Europe, and South Africa for non-U.S. citizens. He also did sign a memorandum which supported states' use of National Guard for COVID-19 response. With the world constantly evolving, especially now, it is key that you stay informed. The Political Informant is now available wherever you listen to podcasts so you can easily access the information and the truth that you deserve to hear. I'm Joe Moronsky, and you've been listening to The Political Informant, your place for fact-first politics.